If you haven't heard it, you got to take a listen to a podcast, and the podcast is called The Two Ramblers. It's a lot of laughs. Well, you know, that's entertaining. Well, you're listening to the entertaining Two Ramblers podcast, where middle-aged guys talk Ramblers hoops from a very different perspective. I'm your host with the jokes from the class of 1994, Dauber. And from the class of 1998, he's the analyst with the attention to detail, Sammy D. Sammy D, welcome in. I'm unmuting you. I am here. All right. I am talking on a mic. Wait, it's time for the Cougar Cuties. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's a 90s callback. 90s callback. Well, welcome in to our wrap-up episode for the uh, 21-22 men's basketball season. Uh, It ended in Pittsburgh at about 2 o'clock Eastern time on Friday, March 18th. Yes. Sadly, we should be getting ready for tip-off for the round of 32 game about to start in a few minutes, but... Oh, are they still we playing? Are. I thought when we went out, it was just over. The tournament was over. I know the yes and NCAA were very sad that we went out because they had uh, multiple you know shots and interviews with Sister Jean lined up, and so their uh, content uh, was going to be severely uh, dissipated. So, yeah, I but mean, we are talking about a podcast, uh, talking about a podcast on Sunday rather than watching a game, and that's not how we drew this one up. Yeah, I was just watching uh, season three, episode 10 of the NBC show Chuck right now. Uh, so not even nice. not even watching basketball. I did not get, even watching the demise of the Illinois fighting line for the second year in a row. I did get I did check in on that game because I picked Houston over Illinois. So I felt very good in our pool. By the way, nice. I'm I'm still in it. You're way out of it because you picked the Loyola Ramblers. Yes. Um, you were in the same position as I was in this pool. Uh, I was getting a lot of pressure from my family to pick my picks. And I literally was just like, I'm really focused on this Loyola game. I really can't even think about, first of all, Loyola losing. Second of all, I, I really could care less about about you know 67 of these other teams i just don't care that much right um i was trying to tell this to some of the guys at the uh the alumni gathering uh before the game that i just don't really care about college basketball i'm not one of these guys who just is like yeah there's a great guard in nova you know like i'm not that kind of guy (laughs) i I like our team i like the loyola ramblers i like a little bit of this you know you know rivalry and stuff but Boy, I was not watching the MVC playing the NIT. I saw a lot of tweets from the Loyola faithful about AJ Green and Isaiah Mosley. I could care. I never have to think about those guys ever again in my life. Yeah, uh, I no, don't. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I I literally had zero interest in watching the NIT and and the Valley. Um, so, um, so anyway, yeah, I had a really hard time picking my bracket because I'm like, well. I, I guess I'm not going to pick Loyola to go all the way. I not like you, uh, but I'm like, well, where do I say they gonna are going to get to? So I I think I had them going out in the Elite Eight. That's where I think a lot of people did have them go out um, because Arizona, uh, much of what I did know, is really good. But um, yeah, I I, I kind of went the crazy fan route and predict them predicted them to beat Gonzaga. And uh, so, oh, well, well, uh, well, let's get we can get into that in a second. But uh, I, let me talk about my uh, I went to Pittsburgh. So yes, let me I, 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 I just so for our two Rambler fans uh, perspective, I literally did not talk to Dauber this whole weekend. 
for this simple purpose. I wanted him, I wanted to listen to to him for the first time, just like you are going to right now, just to hear the the awesome tale of what happened, how he got out there, because originally in the week, uh, earlier in the week, it was looked like he wasn't going to make it. Uh, He didn't win the lottery. So it's like, so Dauber, tell us the story. It's story time with Uncle Dauber. So tell us the story. How did you get tickets? How did you get out there? What's what, What happened? Well, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a story. I'll tell it. Uh, so I like a lot of Loyola fans who listen to this podcast. I applied for the tickets in lots of different venues. I was not willing to go to Texas. I was not willing to go to Portland. I was not willing to go to San Diego. I just thought that was too much. Right. Um, so Pittsburgh was one of my places that I had circled. Uh, I put in, t- put in requests like everybody else and I got denied like a lot of people, and there was a lot of question on Twitter about that. You know, you know, the the letter said that there was only 200 tickets allocated, although the language seemed very similar to last year's uh, letter. So it was a little questionable. It's like, really, there's only two two hundred per team block. So yeah, that, I I didn't understand that. I. Yeah, I heard, I saw that, and I was like, two hundred. That what? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, so you know, I don't know what that is because that that was a huge stadium, um, and uh, I I still think like okay, like maybe there's an official block, but my biggest fear was I didn't want to sit with a whole bunch of Ohio State fans, right? So at least give me. A, give me a chance to buy tickets uh, on, on the open market that are at least loyal to friendly. Like, like let's, yeah. let's say you allot a school, a block, but then there's a, a block, you know, whatever, a group of tickets that are up for grabs, you know, like a put in your Loyola Ticketmaster logo and you can sit in these four sections or something like that. It, it feels like it could be a little even smarter. Um, you know, when you go to a, when you have a pre-sale, uh, a Ticketmaster for a concert, you know, they they allow they you know have certain sections that are available. So how how about I put in my Loyola code and get get access to you know a certain section, right? So anyway, what ended up happening for me was I couldn't figure out who else to go with. You weren't able to go. Uh, Uncle Jeffy wasn't able to go. Um, Dan Sheehan wasn't able to go. So I, I wasn't I didn't I wasn't able to coordinate with anybody else. But I decided I'm going. I'm a right. A member of the Two Ramblers podcast, I've I committed, and you know I don't know if you remember this, but um, if you look at the show notes for our show, you know this show was dedicated to, uh, um, you know, talking about Ramblers basketball through the whole season, all the way through March Madness. Like that was one right. of the the first episode we said that's what we wanted, and this is what we got. So I felt like this is I got to go. Right. So I went on Ticketmaster and I started uh, exploring the different team sections. There were two sections, 113 and 222 were Loyalist sections. So I looked in those sections for open tickets. I couldn't find any in those sections, but I found one in 114, a solo ticket that was right about face. So I bought it. Uh, and I figured I could slip over into the uh, Loyalist <laughs> section. <laughs> um, and uh, I had plausible deniability because I actually got the exact same seat and row in one thirteen with the with the Ramblers. And so I would I, I had this lie all figured out. You know, this is a good 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 <laughs> good Loyola Catholic uh, uh, school here. I, I had a lie all set up that oh this is in section one fourteen. <laughs> Because it literally, I, I my, t- my ticket looked exactly the same. And and luckily, I had the scarf and the, the outfit. Right. So, I mean, I look like I fit, so there was no problem. Um, but anyway, um, that's, that's, that's how I got the ticket. Uh, and then I decided I was going to probably drive. And then what happened was, it turned out, I started looking at plane flights, and there was some Thursday, Friday flights. Uh, mm-hmm. Where I could go out Thursday morning, get in, and then Friday have a late flight back, and the the flight that I actually got was rebookable. So if if we played till Sunday, I could have rebooked the Friday flight. So I thought oh, that nice. was the best case scenario. Yeah, um, and I actually got out there, and luckily I, I had I was supposed to go through LaGuardia, but there was bad weather, 
And the lady in American booked me straight through to Pittsburgh. So I ended up at 10 o'clock in the morning having an hour and a half flight to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I was in Pittsburgh by one o'clock uh, nice. on Thursday. Um, and I tried to see if there's any ramblers around, could not find anybody. My hotel was like a, not an Ohio State hotel, but it was like Villanova and Delaware. And right. I didn't see any ramblers. So I just kind of wandered around Pittsburgh. By the way, Pittsburgh, no offense, kind of a dump. Um, it, it, I mean, let me be honest. It's got a lot of urban blight, a lot of buildings that are kind of falling apart. You know, right. there's kind of an art scene, um, but it just doesn't seem to have revitalized the area that we were in. And then you know, there were a lot of bridges. There was a bridge that was out. There was a lot of construction. And then... Yeah, th- there's there's a reason why my wife refers to Pittsburgh as the armpit of America. Yeah. She, she hates going through that city. Yeah, well, it, it, it did not shine at all. It had no shine <laughs> at all. And then not only that, a very odd thing is every doorstep, every sort of um, entryway to a building, there were smokers. And I mean, I kid you not, like I saw a thousand smokers as I walked through this little city and, um, and it's almost like they've never heard of vaping or any of the other (laughs) new ways of doing stuff. I mean, it was really old school. And, um, um, one other interesting thing about Pittsburgh was people wore gear everywhere they went, like pirates, um, lots of Steelers gear, penguins, just Pittsburgh logos and hats, um, old people, young people, all different races. So, so they have a high identity with Pittsburgh, but it, 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 I don't know. It was a little weird. Now I will say everyone I met who was from Pittsburgh was super nice to me. Like I, yeah, every, every, uh, much, I, I know at least 10 people off the top of my head that are from Pittsburgh you know, all pits like they would be just as you're describing them wearing the Pittsburgh gear and uh, yeah, nicest people in the world. Yeah. Everyone yeah, was their nice. City is, their city is garbage. I had a great, uh, you know, I had a great visit a couple of years ago to Philly and I, I and, and I felt the same way there. I got a lot of love from Philadelphia people. The Pittsburgh people were the same way. Um, I mean, I, I actually walked into a, I found a bar that had been open since 1870. Um, it wasn't, it probably wasn't the same bar, but it's like there had been a bar at the location continuously since 1870. And uh, I sat at this bar and uh, uh, ended up sitting by a a Philly legend, a, a news reporter who just retired after like 20 years or 30 years of on-air news reporting. And he was originally from Pittsburgh visiting his parents, uh, Harry Hairston, and uh he was telling me about growing up in Pittsburgh. He grew up in the Hill District, and uh, his family knew August Wilson, the famous playwright. So huh. we, we were talking about that. And he goes, hey, you're the first person to ever ask about August Wilson, <laughs> so, <laughs> this famous African-American playwright. He goes, uh, he goes uh, you know, most people ask about the Steelers and the... The, you know, the, so anyway, we had a great because uh, you're an educated, loyal grad. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I um, so I actually had a good time talking to Pittsburgh people and I was drinking um, th- their local beer is Iron City. And oh, as, yes. So I was drinking that and they love 24 ounce cans. So I was drinking 24 ounce cans of icy light. And uh, nice. I have to say, um uh, the day of the game, actually, I hooked up with uh, Steve Timble, and we found one of these local Pittsburgh bars right by the Penguin Stadium. You know where the where the game was, right? And, and I walk in, and he goes, "Hey, I, I want to buy you a drink, Dobber." And I go, "And he goes, you want a Stella?" And I go, "No, I don't want a Stella." And I walk up to the bar, and the bartender is like, "What do you want?" I go, "Icy Light." And um, so she gets this big can and slams it down in front of me. And Steve's like, how did you even know to order that? I go, you know, that's how I roll. And then the best. And this is how I roll the, up the dabber. The best nice. part is, the best part is there's a. Uh, hey, cool story, bro. Uh, the, the best part is there's a guy at the bar stool from Pittsburgh who's just there to watch games like at this sports bar. And he says, um, are you like from Pittsburgh and you just like root for Loyola? 
I go, no, I'm from Chicago. He goes, how did you know to order an icy light? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just hanging with Harry Hairston. Uh, so anyway, I love, I thought that was uh, great. So I, uh, uh, I really like that beer. And um, and no one. Yeah, and, that's a good one. And then uh, the Yingling too is uh, prevalent. Yingling, I'm not a fan of. So I kind of, you know, I I I see light. I found. I'm like, this is what I was drinking. So I drank that at the stadium. I drank it uh, before the game. Um, but uh, let me back up. Let me back up. I realize we're, okay. we're going long here, but this is it. This is the 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 finale of the uh, two Rambler season. So this is it, guys. Um, yeah, it's so, cool story time with Dabber. Yeah. So. Um, uh, anyway, so I kind of killed some time walking around and I, you know, I was thinking about going to the Andy Warhol museum, but I, I, I honestly didn't feel like walking all the way over there and I didn't want to spend 20 bucks. I was trying to figure out, is there, can I get a group on like, or can I go for free somehow? And I couldn't, right. and just like $20 to see Warhol. I don't know. So I, um, and I, I actually, if it was closer, I would have just gone to the gift shop. I probably would just, that probably would have been just as good as going to the actual museum. Um, so anyway, I, uh, uh, but I did register for the alumni reception. And, yes. You and, had mentioned that in your tweet. Yeah. And, um, and it was kind of cool because, uh, I read, I met, uh, Jeff Neal, um, who works for the alumni, uh, I, I assume fundraising. Um, I, I actually, had been tweeting back and forth about the surge pricing of Uber going to O'Hare. Like when I when I pulled up my Uber, it said sixty dollars. When he pulled up his, it was eighty five. Oh my god! Uh, so I actually had to I actually had to drive my car and park it at O'Hare uh, in long term parking because I yeah it's I, way it was just than way 60. yeah it was way too expensive to spend sixty bucks to get out to O'Hare on man on Uber. Um, so I was joking. Um, with Jeff Neal that he was down in Lincoln Park and he had to pay eighty five and I said, Hey, I would have come down to Lincoln Park and picked you up for eighty five. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, if I had time, I'd do it. Swing down, get eighty five bucks, then go to O'Hare. Um, um but anyway, we had been going back and forth on Twitter. He had just followed me and um thirty minutes went by and there was a plane I was waiting for this new flight that I got booked on to leave. And I uh was wearing loafers that had uh, Chicago salt on them just from this, the winter. And so I decided yes. to get a, uh, a shoe shine. I've never gotten one in my life. <laughs> Hoi polloi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so very, very bourgeois of me getting a shoe shine. <laughs> um, but I, I got up on the shoe shine uh, thing. And then this guy comes with a Loyola tie and a, and a, and a ad majorium de glorium uh, pin and he sits down and I go, uh, are you going to the game? And he goes, yeah. And, and, and then it turns out it was Jeff Neal. Like we had just hey, t- hey. tweeted one another. And, uh, and then, uh, so I said, Hey, are you going to the reception tonight? He said, yeah, of course. You know, the, I think his organization was throwing it. Um, yeah, he, he, he's gotta be there. Yeah. So I, so anyway, um, I, I had planned to go to that. So that was actually one of the coolest things I did. I, I went to the reception and that's where a lot of the, the the season ticket holders and the the really engaged fans were there, yeah. including a lot of the Twitter uh, mafia that that follows us. And and I think we call them a Twitter intelligentsia. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm just the, the Valley intention intelligentsia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so at the uh, party, I rotated around, and uh, let's see, here's a couple of guys I met: Blake Nagel, Steve Timble. Uh, Matthew Jura, Laura, Lori Cladis, Rob Hall, Jeff Neal, Tom DeRazio, who, who actually had the seats, uh, next to him open in the section. And he, and he kind of gave me the wave over so I could get in, uh, to the seats. And then, uh, big Joe Rambler, of course. Yeah. And Mark, and Mark Miller. So those are the guys, uh, the, the group that I met, um, at the party and the party was fun. Sister Jean was there. Uh, Tate Hall wandered through at one point. Uh, I saw Lucas Williamson's Lucas Williamson's parents and sister. I'm sure there were other parents there that I didn't recognize. So yeah, that was a really cool thing. And, uh, and where, and that party was at the team hotel. Yeah. Team hotel embassy suites, which was only a block and a half from my hotel, which that's one of the reasons I got, my hotel, it was clo- it was closer to the stadium, and it was walking distance to the team hotel. 
Um, so we had a good time there. Uh, I actually had to go back to a conference call for work um, after that, and uh, I actually went to bed. I, I thought I'd go out and paint the town and ended up not not doing it. By the way, there's book club in the background here. That uh, I guess with the, with the Ramblers game canceled, they moved book club here. So um, anyway, uh, uh, so one other cool thing was our good friend, uh, Dan Sheehan, his brother, Kevin Sheehan, um, was in the same boat as me. He was a season ticket holder and he put in for the tickets, got no tickets, and then kind of was scrambling, didn't have anyone to go with, didn't have a posse. Uh, I had texted him, said, I got a ticket. I'm going to be there. You want to connect? And he got excited. He bought a ticket. And then I said, hey, he was driving. I said, drive. Why don't you drive to my hotel? I, I actually booked a double, uh, you know, whatever, two queens instead of a king. Right. Um, so that was cool. I went to bed that night. And then like two in the morning, Kevin rolled in. I said, <laughs> I rolled over. I said, hi. And then you know, 8.30 in the morning, we woke up and we went down to breakfast and we had a great breakfast and hung out all morning. And we went to the uh, to the, to the Rambler Rally where we sent yeah. off the team. Uh, and that was fun. The band was all there. And um, uh, it was a great, you know, Wolfie was there. It was a really fun atmosphere. I, and I'm telling you, everyone there thought we're rolling through game one. Not right. not overconfidence, not like you know, no. not looking past Ohio State. But if you would have thought, if you would have told us that we were going to play the way we did, no one would have believed it. Everyone thought no. we're we're so locked in, and the guys came through. And I put this video on Twitter. I mean, they had death. They had, the look. They had assassin stares. They did not look at you when they walked by. It it was like super weird. Um, uh, you know, they they did not look at you. Did they did not acknowledge? I only saw Marquise with a slight smile, or, or maybe it's Clemens with a smile. No one mm-hmm. else smiled. I mean, it was so freaking intense when they walked by that I thought, oh, it's over, it's yeah. over. So we said goodbye to them. Uh, Kevin ran over to the casino to put a bet down on Loyola going all the way, but that was the <laughs> donator there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Steve and I hooked up and went over to the, uh, to the, the Pittsburgh bar. Had your icy light. Yeah. Had our icy light, met some other ramblers there. I met, I met some other cool ramblers. I didn't put them on the list here. Um, but I met, I met probably a half a dozen other ramblers, uh, at that gathering. There were, you know, people were out there. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, so then we get to the stadium and at first, I thought, you know, I was so worried about being surrounded by Ohio State fans, but this is what I realized as soon as we got there. I tweeted you this to you or texted you this. Uh, these people in Pittsburgh do not like Ohio. No, no. So nope. no, no one there who was going for Villanova, uh, no one there who was from the area was going for Ohio State. Um, I, no. I saw a guy walk by with a... Um, what jersey did he have on? Um, he had a Penn, oh Penn State. A lot of people had Penn State. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot on. of Penn State. Yeah. So okay. a guy walks by with a Penn State jersey. He's right in front of me at line to get into uh, the PPG Center. Uh, and uh, I said, hey, just I just have to ask, are you rooting for Loyola today, or are you going to go for Ohio State? He goes, you know, he goes, hey, I went to Penn State. Hell no! Am I vote? Am I gonna go for Ohio State? Like, like it was like imba- so. Then I just realized I saw Penn State gear everywhere. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like. So when we got in the stadium, I go. I want to say it was one quarter Ohio State fans, mm. and everyone else would have loved to be cheering for us. Like, right? So, so, so the idea that we were on it, we were on a neutral floor. But, but it was, but it was not. It was not an Ohio State home game. And when, and you want to know how I knew it? The first time they announced Ohio State, there was boos, like really loud boos, and it wasn't just the Loyola section. No, mm. no one was going for them. And and actually, Ohio State fans were seemed nervous the first half. Yeah. So they were quiet. They made some noise when it looked like they had locked up the the second half. But really. Uh, we, it was our game. If we just would have turned it, if we would have went on a run, 
that stadium would have been Loyola, you know, Loyola East. Right. Um, yeah. No, without a doubt. I, yeah. When you mentioned that in the, your our text exchange, I was like, yeah, I mean, because uh, my wife who grew up a Browns fan, she's like, yeah, they do not go to Pittsburgh, hate Pittsburgh, all that kind of stuff. And, but all the same thing with all those Pittsburgh people that hate everything associated with uh, Ohio. And so, yeah, I totally could have seen that happening, which makes it, you know, that much more kind of like, oh, man. You know? Yeah. And so this stadium is actually right in the shadow of um, of what's the university there? How university you- of Pittsburgh. No. Not it starts with a D. It's in there. It's in our new. Oh, Duquesne. 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 Yeah. Duquesne is like right next door to this big arena. And so, um, Duquesne, um, um, who's in the A10, right? Yes. Yeah. So I I met a number of Duquesne fans and I was telling them Loyola's coming. A lot of them didn't know it and they were all, they were very excited. Um, Hmm. the bar we went to was a Duquesne bar, actually. Um, oh. so they were all, people, whenever I mentioned, Hey, we're coming here, we're going to be playing here regularly. Everyone was excited. Um, yeah. And then actually, I think I, I, but I don't think Duquesne plays there. I think they have their own facility, which is on campus, no. uh, which is a brand new facility. So no, I they, did, they I do, but I'm saying the bar we were yeah. at was, was yeah, a the, Duquesne bar and it's between this, this penguin stadium yeah. and the, and the, uh, yeah. So university, nice. so everyone, you know, so we and we got a lot of love walking around with the scarves, uh, high yep. fives from people. You know, so people want us to do well. Um, I posted on Twitter. You know, um, loyal is the tournament's better when we're in it. People like the story of us. People like the the vibe. Um, people were asking about Sister Jean everywhere. Uh, who was there, by the way? You know, I saw her. She actually sat above us in our section. And then, uh, yeah. and I saw her at the reception. So she was there. And, um, so, well, should we talk about the game? That was kind of the, the, you know, the, the lead author. The story. by yeah. the way, no, O'Hare, it's... O'Hare has really been hit hard by COVID. Uh, O'Hare was a complete dump. It looked horrible. Uh, and it was running very inefficiently. Um, well, I didn't think that when I was through there. Nah, was it, it was bad. It, it, I, I, uh, it actually took me an hour and a half to get back or an hour and 20 minutes to get back from Pittsburgh. It took me 90 minutes to get my car out of O'Hare. It took me longer to get out of O'Hare than it did to get from Pittsburgh to Chicago. Um, wow. Uh, the, there was no shuttle buses. The shuttle bus, I waited over an hour for the shuttle bus. Oh, uh, and it was rainy. Thanks. It was rainy and 35 degrees too. So it was, you know, great, great shuttle bus waiting weather. <laughs> so um, I almost had to take an Uber to get my car. That's how oh bad it was. So, all right. Uh, yeah, you probably would have paid seventy five dollars. You know, in, in it was a. I, I pulled search. it up. It was a twenty. It was going to be twenty five dollars to go to my car, and oh my I, I, I was debating, and I kept thinking the, the the shuttle will come anytime. So you know, well, we've done it. I've 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 uh, I've wasted as much time as possible with my <laughs> with my stories. Uh, I guess we got to talk about this game. Yes. Um, yes, we do. Sadly, we do. Um, well, I, okay. So why don't we do it this way? Why don't you kind of tell me things that you saw during the game, and and, and I'll fill in the gaps. Um, well, but, I mean, as I said, as I've said before, I really have a hard time following the game the way you do on TV. It's more, right. it's more like a flow. Um, but I will say that. It started and it was kind of tight at first, and it was a back and forth, and there were some turnovers, um, and you know, but they weren't playing great either. And Schwieger hit the first three of the game for us. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I wasn't celebrating too early, but I kind of thought, all right, Schwieger's Schwieger's in. Yep. Now I and I, I actually said this. I was actually still in my old section. With a bunch of non Rambler Rambler fans, you know, and I turned to everybody. I said, "Don't get that guy going. If he gets going, Ohio State's done." Yeah, I mean, if we had one of those twenty five point games by him or twenty six point games by him, I'm like, it's over. Right. Um. So I just thought, you know, he saw he saw the rim well. He shot well. We're we're golden, and I think Norris might have got one a little bit later. And I thought, okay, here we go, 
here we go. And then it just was like old people having sex. It was just like this, like, you know, and, um, um, and then you started seeing these mist, uh, layups, uh, off the glass, just the rim, not catching the ball. And it, it, I, I can't even think of one play. There were just so many plays where we saw the ball go up and then it didn't go in. Yep. Uh, and, and it was, it got comical. It got comical at some point. I, I don't even know if you saw the last play, the last rambled possession of the game. Yeah. Will Alcott. Willie Alcott, who, who I've seen take it, take the ball the hole a couple times this year. He couldn't make a layup. He wasn't being contested. Yeah. It just bounced right off the hoop like 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 middle school basketball or something. Yeah, I, I'm looking back through the, the play by play notes and and there's a stretch there where it's like miss layup, miss layup, miss layup, miss jumper, miss layup, miss jumper. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. It was just it's painful even I re- now I'm remembering the game watching it. And just like, how are we missing these layups? Yeah. And some it, were contested, but it was just like Miss layup, miss layup, and it 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 was really particularly weird. I actually said I wasn't going to watch any more basketball. Someone said, "Are you going to watch any more of the games?" I said, "No, I'm done." But I actually did get drawn into a couple games yesterday. I watched uh, the Gonzaga game, mm-hmm. and I watched uh, Baylor UNC. Right, and I just saw even in Gonzaga, I just saw when they had layups, they made layups. Yep, um, and and. It's almost like you know. I know Timmy's like they're they're a great player, but I mean he he just has these soft hands and he's just putting the ball up and it's just going right in the way it's supposed to. And yet every right. time we put a ball up, it was like clanky clank, bow. You know, uh, it was just yeah. really weird. I get that we were off shooting, like like our you know three pointers were off, but it did not make any sense. And I did not feel like Ohio State was playing great defense at all. Um, no, I- I thought they were playing defense. I, I don't know if it was great. I, I think it was indicative of the fact that Loyola just did not shoot well. And, you know, and, and I tweeted about this or retweeted. Let me pull it up. Um, the shot, I think it's shot quality, um, which I just had it, and then it got rid of it. Um, yeah, it's uh, shot quality. Um, tweeted it up, you know, about an upset and said the actual score you know, was 41 to 54, but the shot quality score had Loyola at 65, 62. So they said, you know, if Loyola shoots quality baskets or, I mean, shot the baskets and they went in as they should have, it's like, it's a totally different ball game. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think what it is, is if, if Loyola shoots their average with, uh, with a 65 shot quality score, they're going to win 58% of the time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, the thing that was really disheartening was um, they this whole year there were a number of games where okay they maybe not shot well i.e. Southern Illinois or or Bradley or something like that but they you know drove to the basket and would get to the line and get free throws and it would kind of balance it out until they could get their shot going and to see that you know they shot three of ten for thirty percent. And it was just like, yeah, it was just ugly. And just to look at these numbers of, you know, for their shooting percentages of, you know, 26% from field goal and 28 from three and then 30 from the free throw line. It's like, that's just, that's not the team that we saw all season. And then the other stat that they announced or they said in the game was this was the worst shooting um, day or game the Rambers have had in the past five years. And so you have to go all the way back to 2017 season for them to have a similar type game. Um, and it's just like, wow. That, so Lucas Williamson never shot a game like this before, you know, where he was one for 10, you know, one for five from three and one for six from three throw. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I saw this stat. I saw this uh, uh, tweet. I, I didn't verify this. So, but it, I, I think this probably makes sense. Um, Loyola shot 27% from the field, 29% from three, 30% from the foul line. The first time ever to shoot 30% or worse from all three levels in the NCAA tournament. 
Wow. Yeah, so they literally picked the worst time to have the worst game. Yeah. Um, and I, I found myself, you know, I know you're the analyst with the attention to details. I, I, I found myself going down a rabbit hole that Uncle Jeffy put in my ear. Uncle Jeffy, <laughs> Uncle Jeffy said this uh, earlier in the season, um, that, you know, we have this very um, uh, aggressive defense. Uh, lots of switches, a lot of movement. And he has this theory, and, and I didn't see a lot on the internet where they were talking about this, but he was making a connection between he just wondered whether some of our defensive style leads to tired legs. And and when you look at some of these missed shots, and there were air balls, there were clanks, there were just some really bad buckets like or, or buckets where um, it just felt like the the – you know, the rhythm was off or I, I started wondering that because Ohio state, what, I mean, we were playing good D that first half and switching and moving. And these were big guys. So they were probably, it was probably harder to cover some of these guys than, than the Valley, uh, you know, because they're, they're bigger guys. Um, and I just wondered whether that, that played into it. If you're, uh, I, I mean, if you're Ugwak, for example, and you're covering one of their bigs, and you're banging and banging and banging, and then you get down and you get a you get at the three point line on the other side, it just it's like, are you gassed a little bit? Um, and and just to, to follow this, uh, love your opinion. To follow this, I I tried to figure out: are there any other teams that are known for a certain aggressive defense? And the the guy that kept coming up in my in my searches was Shaka Smart. Mm-hmm. He's got the havoc defense, and they kind of talked about that. And so I just said, "What's been the history of the havoc defense um, with um, you know with you know field goal percentage on the offensive side?" And sure enough, there were a number of articles about his time in Texas that the knock on them was defense was good, and they were inconsistent with offensive efficiency. And I went, boy, Loyola's defense has been pretty good this year. Maybe not quite at the same level as it was last year, but, but what, what has been our, we've been a little inconsistent with our offensive efficiency. We, we obviously had the game where we shot 63% and then we had a game like yesterday where we shot 27%. What? Uh, I, yes, I can see the logic in that thinking, um, but I, I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't for for game one. I don't know if that's true. Okay, but here. Uh, okay, here's another idea that that I think backs it up. Is okay. um, someone on Twitter, and I, I apologize for who this was. I didn't like it, so I don't have it in my my thoughts. Um, oh no, it was Go Ramblers. I always find it odd that Loyola is nine deep and all nine players either are super hot or super cold. Can at least yeah. half the team be hot? Um, you can credit the defense, but they don't cause us to miss open threes and free throws. And see, what I'm thinking here is how does all, why is all the team struggling to, 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 to lay up? Why is there such a, a why is everyone struggling? to shoot. I, that's, that's what made me wonder, is it the defense? Cause they are all playing the same defense. They're switching the whole time. So it would make sense that they're all kind of running and gunning and gassed out a little bit. That's my thought. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I see the logic and I, I just, I don't buy it because if it was, I, I think it, this was an outlier. Um, and I, I think the Achilles heel of this team um, is, and, and Drew even said it, I think in one of the timeouts, you, you wouldn't have heard this because you were at the stadium, but, you know, so Dana, Jacob, Dana Jacobson interviews him either at one of the timeouts or, at, yeah, one of the timeouts. And she's asking him, you know, what, you know, your thoughts, you know, so far in the game, but your defense is playing great, but you're not making shots. And he goes, yeah, we're playing a lot of, uh, a lot of man-to-man offense. You know, or one on one, one on one offense is what he called it. You know, too much dribbling, 
And that's where I saw where they were, they made a lot of mistakes. Like, you know, one in particular that comes to mind is, you know, Schwieger, you know, trying to bounce the ball behind his back and ends up hitting his leg and it bounces out in Liddell. Like, I think it was Liddell, you know, an easy, you know, fast, fast break dunk. And it was just like those kind of plays where it was like, guys are trying to do too much out of their, um, they can dribble and they're good handles, but it's just like, this is not, that's not your game. You know, that's not the Ramblers when they play effectively um, their game. And so I, I think that they begin when shots didn't fall, then they begin to press and they begin to think, I got to make this or I got to. And so, and I've said this before in previous podcasts, it's like when you start thinking as an athlete, you make mistakes. It's when you're in the flow and it's natural and it's like, that's why they like to say defense flows into offense because it's like you make a great steal, then it's a fast break. Hey, I'm running out of the court. I find my spot. I shoot, boom, gone. Um, But when you start thinking because, hey, we've been struggling, I got to make a basket. I got to make the perfect play. Then that's where you tend to, it's not the perfect play or you try to make up the perfect pass. um, And it's, you know, it's below, uh, you know, a hearer's feet and he dribble, you know, kicks it out of bounds or those kind of things. And I think that's what I saw was that as they begin to press, because they're like, Hey, nothing's falling. We got it. I I, got to do this. And as soon as you start having that mindset, it's just like, it's going to compound because each guy, each miss is then going to compound to the next miss. And that's what you see looking at the play by play, especially in the second half where, you know, we go in only down five and they make a bucket. We miss a, uh, yeah, we we had a turnover, and then you know we miss a fast break, um, and then you know miss the free throw, and then they come back, you know two, um, we miss another layup. They're up, make another basket, you know. So now they're up nine, and you know miss a three pointer. They come back up eleven, and then by that point, I mean you're seventeen minutes into the, or uh, seventeen minute mark of the second half, three minutes into the game. And it's over. Like it was just like that game was over. I, I there was not going to be a run the way they were pressing. Well, yeah, I that was the thing that was really hard to watch it live. Is you you realized at some point you, you just looked at the clock and went, I, I think it's hard based on the way we're playing. And then you know there were plenty of these TV timeouts. It felt like the game slugged on. Luckily, it wasn't tons of fouls. But the right. game, you know, the game had this exaggerated, you know, almost NBA style length where it felt like there were these huge TV timeouts. Um, and uh, and you just got the feeling we're running out of time to go on a big run. Like, like we could cut this within, get this to single digits and then still not have enough time to get three threes to get tied up, um, you know, and, and there were just... There was a couple of moments like that where it got kind of sad watching it at the end. And then it felt like we were still almost comically missing shots. Like um, someone turned to me at one point and said, um, uh, cause we were like 20% from the free throw line. And he goes, you know, 20% from the free throw line, that would almost be hard to do if you were trying, you know, like, like, yeah, like, like, or it would be hard to miss layups the way they were missing layups. Like, like go up and lay it up, but try to make it not go in. I mean, you know, like yeah, all of my, um, all of my friends from around the country who were they know I'm a loyal fan and an ardent fan, and they were texting me like, "What the hell is going on?" And, and, and the only reason they know about loyal is because of me, and so they've heard me. And then you know, as I've talked it up, and, and they're like, "This is what what is this team that you've talked of?" You know, I'm just like, I don't know what team that is, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it was so bad I had to put my phone on airplane mode because I could just feel my pocket buzzing uh, right. from everyone in the country checking in with me. And then, you know, and then then they feel bad that I'm at the game. They're like, you know, they pity me. So it was just like, ugh. Um, right. So, you know, one thing that came up uh, prior to the game and then, you know, even after the game, I saw people still tweeting about this is talking about, Drew's status and whether he at some point might jump to another program. And I'm thinking at this point now, doesn't that sound completely crazy or premature? Like his, like, like he's got one year of coaching 
and 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 we're worried about him leaving. I mean, is that even? Do you think that's even a possibility? Well, I, I no, I, I, I've seen, I saw the same stuff that you did, and I think what it is is it, it's we've become now. Uh, I'll use the term, and it's not the best term, but shell shocked because of what Porter Porter did or what happened with Porter. They had the run of the Final Four. You know, then he got courted to a number of schools, almost went to St. John's and then didn't. And then last year went to the Sweet 16 and then got courted by Oklahoma and then left. And then Denzel comes in. And again, I said this, I think, I don't know if I said it here. You mean Drew comes in? What are you, what are you, Tim? Oh, well, I just call him Denzel. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. You're like, what's his name? Tim Doyle or whatever. Or who who kept calling him the wrong name? (sighs) Cappy Kaplan, oh, okay, yeah. Drew Crawford. Oh my gosh, you know. But okay, Drew Valentine comes in, and and I said this on. I think I made the thing on Twitter. It was just like we don't quite understand the magnitude of his role um, as a young black head coach uh, in an inner city school, which is a huge thing. It's like I, I don't know if we fully grasp as Rambler fans, um, and I, I think. I do feel that is there a possibility he may go somewhere else? Yeah, at some point, but I don't think he's, I don't think he would feel like I've done my job here at Loyola. Um, And I I don't see any other universities where it would make make sense. Obviously, um, you know, his alma mater was Oakland, but you know, that would be a step down in a sense of competition. And then the other thing I was thought really fascinating, I don't know if you've seen this and you probably did it because you're not focused on the a 10. Um, but in the last week, the Atlantic 10 has picked up some coaches that are very interesting. So Archie Miller, who coached at Dayton to, when he, when they went to the elite eight and then went to Indiana and fell on his face uh, he got hired on at um, crap. Where was it? Um, at Rhode Island, and then uh, Frank Martin, who took South Carolina to the Final Four a couple years ago, just got hired on at UMass. And there's a couple other new head coaches that are quality head coaches. And so now, you know, the Atlantic Ten has about six or seven coaches that are like everyone in the country knows their name. Um, you know, the guy from Davidson, the guy from Dayton, and now uh, UMass and Rhode Island. Um, and then uh, there's a couple other uh, schools that are uh, a VCU. Uh, and so it's like the Atlantic 10 is really positioning themselves from a, uh, a budget standpoint of like, hey, we're going to spend money to get named coaches that are quality. And, and as, as evident um, by these universities are really going to say, hey, we're putting our investing in basketball. So that only speaks to the fact that this could be one of those like seventh or eighth. And now granted, I know this year it was rated 10th and the Missouri Valley was rated 11th when it came to Ken Palm. But it's like, I think the, the Atlantic 10 is a position itself to where in the next few years, it could be the destination uh, conference outside of the power six. And so if that's the case where, you know, maybe they have a, a WCC like West Coast where Gonzaga plays or the Mountain West where like San Diego State and um, like some of those schools, they, they got four teams in this last year. Um, and same with uh, the West Coast Conference. It's like if that's the Atlantic 10, that's a conference that you guys want to coach in. And so it's like I, I, I don't I don't foresee something of Drew being wooed away unless – I mean, yeah, a lot of people have talked about Michigan State, but Tom Izzo just made the comment, you know, like, I'm not going anywhere for a while. Um, And so it's like, I don't see that as an option, at least at this point, you know, maybe five years from now, could be, but okay. And I said this, even if if Drew were to leave, it's like, we have now created coaches, or at least uh, players that are turning into coaches, i.e. Clayton Custer and... um, there was uh, Carson Shanks was the guy that was on the 2018 team that, who's now in the coaching ranks. It's like guys that know Loyola and know the culture. And it's like could easily slide into, you know, where they become coached down the road. Um, and it's just, so it's like, I, 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 there's, it's not that we're now at a point now where if, 
Drew were to leave in a couple years, there is then a commitment by the school to say, hey, we're going to have a quality basketball team and we're going to bring in the next guy that's going to continue this march. Whereas in years past when we were in school, they got rid of a guy and it's like they have no idea what they're doing. So they're just going to get some guy. And the next guy was, no one knows who this guy is. Um, And there's no, no identity. Well, now there is an identity and there's a culture. Well, once you've established that, then it's much easier to maintain it, I, I believe, because you can see that played out. Yeah, I mean, that, that's great. I love the background of the A-10. I, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. I, you, you've been on the call. I just looked it up. Um, St. Louis is looking for a new coach, and I guess they're looking at Joe Cravens. <laughs> it's a callback to an earlier episode. Uh, Joe Cravens. He's on him like a freckle, freckle on a redhead. <laughs> He's faster than nailing Jello to a tree, or slippery than nailing Jello slippery, to a tree. Slippery than nailing Jello to a tree. Uh, the uh, he was hey, just for uh, time update. Uh, Villanova is up twelve with a minute left in the first half. No oh, good. I have them. I have them going to Final Four. So hopefully that uh, keeps me in the keeps me in the running for the uh, the the Dauber family um, uh, tournament bracket. Yes, I am a donator for that. Yes. Um, well, I, I'm glad you talk about the Drew thing, and I did just just I know this uh, parallel to, to Shaka Smart is just I don't know why I thought about this, but I just happened to look at his career, and you know he started off at VCU, and you know how many years did he put in at VCU? Do you know just off the top of your head? I want to say it was only like two or three. No, six. Oh, six, okay. six, and I I thought you know. This season, uh, you know, uh, it's the first year after Porter. I could see Drew here for five years, maybe a couple more tournaments, and then I could see a move. If but, but I don't see a move that next year or in two years, unless we do something crazy, right? Uh, especially now, next year, it looks like you know we're going to have to rebuild, get some new guys in. I mean, you'd have to really impress next year or the next two years to get, to jump to a big program. I think. Okay, can I can I um, can I speak to the Shaka Smart analogy? Okay, so me being here in Virginia, um, and VCU is just up the road in Richmond, and so when they went to the Final Four as like I think a thirteen or something like that, or eleven or eleven or something like that, but they made a run similar to Loyola in the twenties eighteen. Um, they have since been back and, and he parlayed their run to then go to Texas, which was you know great for him. Um, did not have the success, but VCU since he left has continued. They won. They moved from the CAA where they had been up to the Atlantic 10. Does that sound familiar? Um, and then they have maintained their excellence in basketball since then in getting a new coach. And then uh, I think that guy that took over for Shaka is still there. Um, And, you know, and and they're still improving where they're now one of the top four uh, or four or five of the Atlantic 10. And it's like, I could see where, you know, loyal is very similar to that where it's like, Hey, we're moving up to the Atlantic 10 um, may take a year to adjust. I don't think they, I don't think it will be as a big of an adjustment as people are or fearing. Well, you're you're a big ho- you're a big homer. You're the guy who said that we were going to sweep the valley. <laughs> so. Again, if Loyola, and I only say that because of the ceiling that these guys have shown. If the if Loyola plays at their ceiling, yes, they should sweep the valley. It's just when they play down, it's like, yep, then it's any game's anyone's ball game. Now, but going into next year, yes. As Drew said in his post game, we're going to have to hit the transfer portal hard and improve our players that we have here. And uh, and it's just like, I, I think that's true. So I, I'd be really interested to see what happens in the transfer portal as well as, you know, maybe there's one or two recruits that fall in because, you know, of what Drew uh, brings to the table. And so it's like, because um, there's only a three scholarships guys coming in. Uh, for freshmen, and there may be one or two others that are out there. And so it'd be really interesting to see what happens at the transfer portal to see if if there will be a drop-off. I don't think there will be. I, I, I really think there is another possibility where they win 20 games next year again, and we're talking about the potential of you know being in the mix for the A-10 ter- uh, 
title as well as a potential uh, postseason berth. Well, I don't want to f- finish on an ugly uh, uh, kind of comment, but I will say uh, two things uh, kind of disturbed me a little bit about my trip. Uh, in the uh, second half of the the game, uh, a couple of Loyola fans almost looked like they were going to get into a fist fight with one another uh, to the point where our whole section was telling them to calm down and represent Loyola. It seems like one of the guys was getting angry with the players and was saying some nasty things. The other uh, fan took offense to it and said, you know, act like a fan, stop, you know, ripping on our team or something like that. Uh, the security for the center came down. It, it was kind of embarrassing uh, but luckily, there was enough enough energy in the in our little section to kind of calm it down. Whatever happened, but that Yikes. that happened, which was weird. Um, there was a lot of real negative tension in that second half. Up, you know, I think all of us were really frustrated, uh, and it it got a little. It 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 did not feel good. Actually, I was like, because you normally that's I feel like I'm the only fan who's feeling like that, and I was surrounded by two hundred other people who were. Just as right. like, just as wound up. I actually did not drink uh, in the game. Uh, I had the one beer when I got to the stadium. I was so tense I couldn't drink or eat or anything. I just sat there like a ball of nerves for the whole game almost. And I, I literally had to just use some, you know, some some uh, breathing techniques to calm down because uh, I just I go I just have to enjoy this. Like who knows, you know, this is this the tournament, and it was a spectacle for sure. And um, that Pittsburgh stadium too, you know how you see tournament first rounds and you see a lot of empty seats? No, not at this place. This place was Mm. a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of energy. And if Loyola would have even showed a spark of whatever, that stadium would have erupted. Um, Right. So that happened. Now, one other thing on the way home, uh, I got put in first class, which was great. Um, Hey. But there there was a Loyola guy in front, an older guy. And he had his gear on, and people were making comments when they were walking by him. I think some people recognized him or knew him. And he was saying things like, um, yeah, this was really Porter's team. And, you know, Drew, I didn't like he he was kind of grumbling about Drew's coaching. And I just thought, come on. First of all, we know that Drew was uh, a, a big recruiter for Porter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and we know that even some of these guys are drew guys. Um, so that thing was super annoying. And then the other thing that's annoying too, is when we talked about that stat of quality shots and the shots aren't going in. Right. What's drew supposed to do? Yeah. Someone asked me, Hey Matt, if you were coach drew, is there anything you could have saw that he would have done differently? And I'm like, what do you want to do differently? The defense is working. We're within a couple possessions at the end of this first half. And guys are getting quality looks. What what what, yeah. what else yeah, is man. he supposed to do? Do more free throw drills? Uh do do layup drills? I mean I, they, Yeah, so the the one telling stat that, you know, I, I've always said it, the the thing that a coach can do is put your team or your players in a position for them to succeed. And if they do, then it's credit to you. And if they don't, oh, well, I'll try better next time as a coach. But the thing that, you know, you look at from a defensive standpoint, Ohio State shot 42% from the field. They shot, are you ready for this, Dauber? 6% from three-point land. 6%. They made one out of 15. Like, defensively, they did their job. And then the only thing that, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this kind of stinks. But I, then it's also because of what happened in the game is they shot 17 to 21 from the free throw line. And then most of that was in the second half, but that was because Loyola had to foul to try to get the ball back. So that's what happened. They hit their free throws. And so, and yet they still only scored 54 points. So it's like you hold a team to 50 points or 54 which is what they have done in the postseason, in the Arch Madness, and then now into March Madness. You should win that game. And unfortunately, the shots did not fall. And it's like, there's nothing, Drew can't, there's nothing to, for him to say, I could have done a better job. 
It's like you you had the right game plan. It just the ball did not go in the basket. And any fan that says otherwise, they don't know basketball, and they need to listen to you know the analysts with attention to detail. Well, and I, I'm just even looking at these OSU numbers. You know, they had 26 in the paint to our 14, and we know for a fact we missed multiple multiple layups. So we probably. Right. If we make a few of those, we're at least even in the paint. And they had some big guys on their team. That's yeah. that's a win for us. Points off of turnovers. We had 16. They had nine. Second chance points. We had three. They had two. Fast break points. We had four. They had six. Again, we missed a couple of layups on our fast breaks. So we yep. we played them at least even in that category. And then the bench outscored them 12 to 7. That's a little low for us. I think we could have done better. But still... You look at some of the there's not there's not the glaring turnovers in this game. They had more um they had more turnovers than us. Um there aren't the things that have burned us in some other games where we, you know, had tons of turnovers. We just did not shoot the ball well at all. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a shame because it would have been fun to talk about a win and talk about some of these funny player names on Ohio State. Um you know, I, I really wanted to somehow work Harrison Hookfin into this uh, podcast <laughs> or Joey Brunk <laughs> or Zed Key. Are you kidding me? These are real names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, they well, and that was the other thing going into the game. They had their Kyle Young uh, who played 35 minutes and then Zed Key was another. I mean, they were they were contributors who had not played in the Big Ten tournament and were looking like they were not going to play. Michi they, Johnson Jr. was in. Michi. Yes, Michi did did play uh, some quality minutes there, uh, and they did end up playing. And that Kyle Young, and he was he was definitely a factor in the game. Although, um, yeah, he had seven rebounds, but he was four of ten. So I mean, it's like he shot very poorly. But I I literally think I mean the game plan. Hey, we're going to limit EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham, and they had sixteen and fourteen respectively. It's like they did the job. They played the, they played defensively how they want to play. You just, you tell me uh, uh, on on a Friday morning when I'm at the bar having an uh, uh, an icy light. You tell me, yeah, Liddell's going to have uh, 16 a day, and then another guy's going to have 14 on their team. No one else is going to be in double digits. Uh, do you guys win? I'm like, yeah, we win. That's a win for us. Yeah, uh, you know. So, well, I think that's it, Sam. Uh, we've we've talked about it. We've broken it down. We've been here all season. We've done an hour. I think it's time to pack it in. Any final words for the 2021-2022 season? Yeah, I, the thing that I've always said, um, I, I think I said, I know I said it on Twitter, is like we belong on the court. Uh, that was something that was a theme throughout this whole season. You know, as we went to the Bahamas and we played Michigan State and Auburn and Arizona State and and show that, yeah, we belong. Um, and then I, I think even against Ohio State, you know, we show that we belong in the court. Um, like, and so I think moving forward, um, I, I'm really excited with this move to the Atlantic 10 of what it could mean for the university as a whole, um, exposure to the East Coast and that kind of stuff. And so it's like, I, I think, and then I, I love the Drew Valentine pick as coach. Um, moving into this role this year and then moving forward, it's like I, I really don't think we fully grasp the weight of his role uh, for this university. And I, I really think in this next year, he's going to get more of his voice as these all of these players that are going to come in now are, quote-unquote, to quote your plain friend, you know, Drew guys. Uh, but even the guys that are there are still Drew guys because he was head of recruiting or it was a major part in recruiting. It's like, so these are all Drew guys. And and, and really kind of see them, you know, take the next step and this new era um, begins. Um, so I, I, I really think it was a great year. I They did run it back. They went back to the tournament. First time they had gone back to back in since the 60s. And that was a testament to the team that was there and Lucas and and here and Tate and Keith. And so it's just, I'm really excited for what this school or what this team now has made it a point of like the expectation is, is March madness. It's like every year we're supposed to go to March madness. Cause that's what Loyola basketball does. And 
If you would have told us that when we were in school 30 years ago, no way in hell was that going to happen. And now our team that we live and die with uh, is a regular attender to March Madness. That's, oh my gosh, we're living in a dream world. And I'm excited for what is in store. Well, you've been listening all season to the entertaining Two Ramblers podcast, where middle-aged guys talk Ramblers hoops from a very different perspective. For the analyst with the attention to detail, Sammy D from the class of 1998, I'm your host with the jokes, Dauber from the class of 1994, saying so long to the 2021-2022 men's basketball season stay tuned to and stay subscribed to the two ramblers podcast for future episodes and we'll be hopefully seeing you next year on the two ramblers podcast until then go ramblers go ramblers